might want to gouge his eyes out with the first tool I can find from the contractor's truck. I want to somehow put him on the contractor's table saw and cut this guy in half. I felt like I was watching them slaughter the family horse or something. It was just... bizarre. Hey, welcome to The Bitterest Pills. Dan Class. I'm in my garage under the flight path of Los Angeles uh, International Airport. This is uh, uh, this is episode 321, take two. Comprendo? S'il vous plaît, por favor. ¿Dónde está? ¿Dónde está, amigo? I don't even know. What, what does that even mean? Like, where are you? That that wasn't the question. How how are you? ¿Cómo allez-vous? Je vais bien, merci. Et toi, oui. Mm, Voulez-vous se coucher avec... Les jeunes filles et le un direction, oui. Ah, mais oui, c'est dommage, mon ami. Happy, uh, happy New Year. Welcome back to you and me. I've missed you. That's true. I really have, you know. I, I, I miss our, <laughs> our mostly one-sided conversations, but uh, I, I miss you nonetheless. It's true. Listen, it's true. I miss driving around with you. I miss going grocery shopping with you, working out with you, vacuum, whatever. All those those little things that you and I do together. When we don't do them together, I do miss it in some really bizarre way. Because I'm that person. I'm the person that can really... Basically, I am miserable in the present. But I can romanticize anything that's in the past. So, remember that time when I was telling you that story in your vacuum cleaning? And you weren't paying attention and you rolled over something with a vacuum cleaner and made that horrible sound. And then it's like the the spinny wheel brushy thing stopped and then it started to smell like fire. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Stuff like that. So uh, I say take two because I was in the studio the other day uh, to record this recording. This, I actually set out to record this recording before, and I recorded it, and it was just, uh, yeah. Too, you know what it was? It was too much uh, me talking about other people and not talking about myself. Little trap fell right in. Boom. There it was, complaining about other people. When there's so much to complain about regarding my personal selfishness, my, my, my unit, my thing, my uh, horrible uh, inadequacies uh, in life. So... So this is how the year started. Obviously, Happy New Year, right? We had a new year. Some friends were over. That was fun. Saw them. They stayed over. New Year's Day, beautiful little uh, brunch. Go walk around the beach, all that sort of stuff. Then, a couple days later, uh, remember how I was supposed to uh, teach a podcasting course at UCLA? Okay, Uh, not so much. Because it turns out not that many people want to sign up to take a podcasting course at UCLA. Now, I could tell you how many do want to take that course in the winter semester 2014. Do you say 2014 or 2014? I had this conversation with you a couple days ago, but then I I refused to let you hear it. I say 2014, and a lot of people try to get me to say 2014. And the reason I say 2014 is because I'm on some kind of Kubrickian calendar, where if you say 2001, you say 2014. 
Because by your 2014 thing, what should we have said 2001? No, that was never going to happen, and you know it. So I'm going to say, until further notice, this is 2014. No, I'm not. See, now you're confused. See? All right, maybe I'm going to say 2014. Maybe I'm already 15 days into the new year succumbing to your will. Great. My theory about the podcasting thing is that anyone that wants to learn podcasting is probably technically savvy enough and self-motivated enough, honestly, to figure it out on their own by going on the internets and searching YouTube, right? That's what I would have done if YouTube had been around when we were starting podcasting, which it wasn't, by the way, kind of a creepy thought. (laughs) Now, there are people, if you wanted to, I can give you some names of people that will take your money to hold your hand to start a podcast. There is a list. I'm just saying. And I could even put myself on that list. That would be fine. If you want to get listen, if you want to give me money to teach you podcasting, I'd be happy to do it. I would be happy to do it. I could be your personal podcasting professor. And that way I wouldn't have to drive to Westwood to teach at UCLA. You see how that would be a win-win situation. I think it would probably work better as an online course anyway, because then people from all over the world could, could bask in my awesomeness. Enough of that. So that, so that was the first thing. So the first thing in the new year was that. Then the second thing in the new year was, um, remember Dog Bowl? Remember ages ago, uh, we were talking about Dog Bowl, Gordy Hoffman you know, Gordy Hoffman, was writing this thing and he got me involved and and we went on Kickstarter and said, hey, Gordy's writing this thing and this woman's going to be in it and Dan's going to be in it and give us money because, you know, Gordy's writing it and this woman's going to be in it and Dan's going to be in it. And then Brahm's daughter came and I drove her around for a weekend and shot some scenes with Dog Bowl with her. I'm not in Dog Bowl. I'm not in it. It's happening. It's already happened. It was shot. It was shot a couple weeks ago. But you see, the creative process cannot be hindered by the agreements of the past, right? Just just because somebody thought they had some sort of understanding, some sort of agreement had been met, some sort of right uh, venture, some joint action had been taken on. No, the creative, that's fine, whatever. And I, And it really is fine, other than I feel kind of weird because I went to my friends and listeners and said, hey, I'm going to be in this thing that Gordy's writing and directing and, and uh, Kickstarter. And some people went, hey, okay, Kickstarter. And now I'm not in a dog bowl. And I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I sold you a pig in a poke. I'm not, no, I don't know what that means, a pig in a poke. I don't know what you think is in the poke when you buy the poke and it turns out there's a pig in there. I don't know what other animal you would buy in a poke or really what a poke is. I think it's a bag. I think it's a canvas bag. Now, why you're buying a pig in a canvas bag, I have no idea. Wouldn't, shouldn't you buy a pig I don't know, on a leash? Maybe not a leash, but at least shouldn't, shouldn't this pig be just standing there on the sidewalk or something? And then you buy him or maybe he's in a pen, like a pig pen. You've heard of a pig pen. I've never heard of a pig poke. Like who's walking around with a, a pig in a sack claiming that it's a dog or something 
right? You've been swindled because you bought a pig and a poke. It doesn't make any sense to me. Clearly, there was some sort of Americana farm language that my grandparents completely understood that I don't. Because the only ones I understood, really, honestly, were the really sickeningly racist ones. Those I could kind of like, oh, well, I got that one. Sweating like a mm, like a brother at an election. Okay, I get it. But the whole pig and a poke, still working that out. Why are you buying a, a pig and a poke? And then why are you disappointed that it's a pig and you thought you were buying something else? I don't get it. Anyway, I feel like I sold you a pig in a poke. Right? A poor sign in a sack. Is that is that the word I'm looking for? Poor sign? A swine? In a baggie? I don't know. Now, that being said, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think supporting Gordy and I think supporting Dog Bowl is a good thing. If I were you, I would leave my money where it lie. I'm just saying if you're upset by it, let me know because I feel you and I will figure out what to do about it. I will take care of it. It will get taken care of because I feel like you you and I, if you did that, if you went to Kickstarter, then you and I were in an agreement. See, I can't fault people for, for theoretically not holding up their end of a, a bargain. If I then turn around and I struck a bargain with you and didn't uphold, right? That's... That's not fair. So, if you were feeling the least bit uh, uh, duped, swindled, uh, I don't know. I should have. I should have uh, thought about this before the show and thought of some great synonyms for being uh, taken advantage of. But I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I don't put that kind of work into this. I really don't. Okay, I don't sit around making up lists of synonyms so I can seem more interesting than I do, because I'm not interesting. I'm really not. I'm not interesting. I'm not creative. I just, I have a certain style of complaining that you have grown accustomed to. That's really what this is. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves that I'm creating anything or doing anything of any worth. I just happen to have a kind of a stylized way of pitching. And you, for whatever reason, download it and listen. And for that, I thank you. Then the third thing, and this is minor. Those actually were kind of big because I was really disappointed about that. But part of me, uh, so we're over the dog bull thing. Part of me was worried about the UCLA thing. And I'll tell you why. Because if I was going to go and pretend to be a college professor at UCLA and pretend like I knew what was going on, first of all, I was going to have to create that course. And that was going to be a lot of work. And I was really excited about doing that. But the bad thing was, See, in theory, I'm supposed to be in this movie called North Star. And North Star was going to film, shoot. It was going to shoot. Excuse me. This is the digital age. We don't film anything. I haven't filmed anything since my old Polaroid camera broke. You know that. Now, listen, we were supposed to shoot this winter. And I was worried that I wouldn't, right? How am I going to shoot a movie in Minnesota or uh, not Minnesota, Michigan, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. How am I going to be in Michigan and in Westwood, California, at the same time? It's not going to. It's it's not going to work. So maybe I sabotaged the kinetic, cosmotic energy, the karma vibrations that were going towards UCLA. Maybe I somehow right hijacked them, hoping that it wouldn't come through, so I would be free to do. North Star because I want to go to Michigan and be in this movie with the Anderson brothers. But what happens? The UCLA thing gets, right, gets undone. And as you can probably tell by the tone of my voice and the way that I'm selectively using the present and past tense, 
I am not in Michigan right now. Because we're not shooting this winter. Because things take a long time. You know? You gotta get money. You gotta get celebrities in the movie. There has to be people there to make me look good. So it's not happening until next winter. Now again, that's wonderful news. I am so amazingly happy to even be considered, to be included, to be included, to be talked to, talked about, and talked at as if I am, in fact, one of the players in this wonderful piece of dramatic excellence. Just a little disappointed that it's not this year. So what, what, what happens is, in December, I'm a guy who thinks it's going to be a very big and busy winter. Can't wait. It's going to be, there's so much going on to a guy with really nothing going on at all. So, you know what we did? We tore out all the trees in the back. There are trees in the back. We have all these ficus trees. Have we talked about ficus trees in a while? Have we, have we gotten into the, when I moved here, little did I know. So I moved to California. And one of the first things that happened when I moved to California in 1989 was my mother insisted on giving me a ficus tree. Now, I did not realize in the t- at the time, because I, I don't think I'd had one in the East, a ficus tree. But apparently it was very commonplace, I think, at the time, for people to get ficus trees and bring them into their house. Ficus, 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 ficus. That was like everyone had a ficus tree. And then luckily that kind of went away, right? Well, then we bought this house. And this house came with a bunch of free ficus trees, except these ficus trees were not in pots in the living room. They were outside. And this whole area, when it was developed, apparently, they line the streets with ficus trees, the backyards with there's ficus trees everywhere, and they become gigantic. And so we had, past tense now, the most gigantic ficus tree in our backyard. But the problem with the ficus tree is it'll rip the foundation right out of your house. The roots go far and shallow, and they can destroy anything. And so in an effort to not destroy our garage, not to destroy our neighbor's garage, not to destroy our home, right? Because really, when, when, it becomes, when it's between your house and a tree, guess what? The tree cannot win. So we had all these trees taken out. And I got to tell you, I've never been so emotional about a tree before. Now, we had never climbed this tree. It's not a climbing tree. There's something about the branches. They're too, they were fat and round and smooth. You just couldn't, couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to let the kids climb it. They all, it's all they wanted to do for years is climb that big, huge ficus tree. I couldn't do it because you would get halfway up there and then just slide and then just fall down and hit your head on the shallow roots below. It was like, it was a death trap, basically. But that, that was the tree, the big ficus, was the tree that gave us shade in the summer. And the birds would all live in there in the spring. And then at some point in the summer, we would, you know, uh, throw a hose over one of the branch, branches and make some sort of impromptu shower outside. Or, right, the, the water would fall out of the tree down onto some kind of slip and slide or something. And the kids would just, you know, it was, it was the big tree in the backyard. When us was really little, we would stand between the little kind of two cinder block tall, uh, you know, kind of frame near the tree and the tree and dig. 
There was a little spot where years before we bought the house, someone had cut the roots so the roots wouldn't tear that little wall thing down. So the, the roots had been cut. And then there was a, so there's a space there and it was all filled in with dirt. And he and I would, you know, dig all the dirt out of there and put in the dinosaurs and put in the pickup trucks and the bulldozers. And we would make our own little Jurassic Park in there. And eventually we would, you know, flood it or there'd be a sandstorm or who knows what. And it was a blast. But now it's gone. Now it's gone. The tree and the other trees, the other trees are gone, but the tree is gone. And it was weird. And I really anticipated being sad about it. And I was sad about it because it really was the end of an era. It really was that final, I don't know why, because again, it's just a tree. And it's not like we build a tree house in it. The kids you know, had a swing in it for a little while, but the swing couldn't be far enough from the tree. So it was never very safe. And their mother is a worrywart. So that didn't help. And you know what I mean? It just wasn't, it, it never was the tree. We hoped it was, but it was always the tree that it was. And as the guys were chopping it down, I felt like I was watching them slaughter the family horse or something. It was just bizarre. Because now the tree is gone. They're all gone. The, the backyard looks like a disaster area, like some horrible catastrophe swept through our property and took a lot of the past away. Really, really strange. But the weather here has been warm, and I don't say that to upset you. I should have warned you. I was going to warn you that I was going to say that. I'm sorry. I should have warned you. I know I, I know you've been freezing. I know you've been freezing, and I know it's been unseasonably freezing, and I know you're freezing, and I know you're sick of it, and I know you're freezing, and I'm just, I'm sorry. I should have ramped up to that a little uh, more smoothly. I really should have. And I, for that, I, listen, I do. I apologize. I'm sorry. But it's been hot here, and it's driving me crazy because it's hot and sandy, and it tastes like dirt all the time. And it's the middle of January and all the college girls in the area are already wearing shorts and I'm just not ready for it. Listen, I need a little wind down time after the holidays to kind of ramp up back up to summer. And even though every Christmas, right, I jokingly say, well, you know, right after the New Year, summer's here and everybody's like, ah, ha, ha, you're right, it is. And then you know what? It is. And it's too soon. And we'll get a rainy season in March and then that, that's true. But right now it's all, it's so summer that, Right. Glendora burned down yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A whole hillside community up in flames or something. All I know is that a beast, a wad of smoke that really did look like a brown, angry beast just crawled from the east to the west and then out over the ocean. Blocking out the sun for hours. It was just surreal. just surreal. But things here have been surreal. So the other day, so, okay, so we had all the trees taken out, right? And this is all part of this somewhat larger series of projects to get the house repaired. We're not, we're not, um, we're not remodeling anything. We're, we're re, <laughs> we're fixing, you know what I mean? We're fixing where the, the old heating system came out that needs to be fixed, where the floor needs to be patched and the walls and 
the carport had some dry rot, so that's getting fixed. And uh, some windowsills had some rot, so they're getting fixed. And it's just all, all these things that I just can't handle or ha- couldn't keep up with are getting fixed. And, and that's what kind of started the tree thing. So the other day I was coming home with Tulu, and Tulu wasn't feeling well, but I was bringing her home from school. And the contractor and his, and his guy were still here, and, and the contractor calls me and he says, uh, Dan, hey, there's this guy here who is taking pictures of your house. But he says he's from the insurance company. Should I let him continue to take pictures of your house? Do you do you know about this? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know anything about it. I'm 10 seconds away. Just ask the guy if he could wait. So the guy, the guy waits and I pull up and I, I park and I'm looking at the guy. Now, whether you realize it or not, you have certain expectations of a person who's on the up and up. You just do, right? If you stop and think about it, you have a very, very specific, actually, series of expectations of someone who is there at your home for, for legitimate reasons, whether they're doing something very kind of expected or unexpected. There is just this, there's normal. There's a normal set of normal, professional, business-like, whatever, expectations. So uh, I pull up and stop the car, and then I immediately dial my insurance uh, agent. And I think I was on hold for a second or something, so I asked the guy, yeah, who, who are you here? Who's, what? Who sent you? No, this guy's giving me this look. No, he's, a, he's older than me. He's probably 60 years old, just kind of squat and kind of, you know, stocky. And he's giving me this look. This angry look, like, why are you wasting my time? Look, this look. And he says, I was sent by your insurance agent, Jackie Epstein. And he, as he says Jackie's name, he kind of looks down angrily at his clipboard and then lets it flop back to his side. And he kind of gives me that glare again, like, again, you're wasting my time. So I don't remember exactly what transpires, but it's essentially I say to him, well, I'm, I'm on the phone with her office. Hold on a second. And he says something really endearing, like, you know, I don't need you to be here to do this. But if we're going to do it, can we do it? So I'm like, well, what are you talking about? What would you, but I'm, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Why, what, what are you doing? And what would you be doing if I had a job where I wasn't here at 3.30 in the afternoon, when I was at work until six? What would, it, if I was at work till six, what would, what would be happening right now? And he says, I would be taking pictures of your house. Oh, that's reassuring. Now, this guy has not introduced himself. He's ha- he has an ID badge around his neck, but he does not show it to me. He does not tell me his name. He does not tell me the company he works for. He just says he was sent by my insurance company to take pictures of the house. He happens to have the insurance agent's name, and he's angry that he's still there. So I get the insurance agent on the phone, her assistant, and I'm like, hey, there's a guy here. 
and he says he's supposed to be taking pictures of my house. And do you know anything about this? And she's like, oh, well, let me see. Uh, 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 I'll see if that letter went out. I'm like, listen, I don't, <laughs> I didn't ask you about a letter. I, I'm not asking you why didn't I get warning. I want to start further back than that. I want to know, should there be some jackass here giving me attitude about photographing my home? So she says, yeah, we do that. We send people out every such and such amount of time for your homeowner's policy to photograph the exterior of your dwelling. To which I say, really? And she says, yes. And I say, but we've had that policy for 13 years. And this is the first that I'm hearing or seeing anything about, we don't ignore the mail that comes mar marked Allstate. Do you understand? We open it. We read it. It's a thing. You're, you have our insurance. For 13 years, this has somehow been off my radar for 13 years, that strangers are coming when I'm not home and photographing the outside of our house. Are you sure? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I say, oh, okay. And I hang up with her. So I say to the guy, okay, well, I guess we're going to do this. Hey, do you have a business card? And he says, I don't have a business card. And starts walking up my driveway. Like he's going to go now back to the backyard, which is where I guess he ran into the contractor and starts snapping shots. And I'm like, well, okay, but hold, let's, let's slow down a little bit. You don't have a business card? And he's like, listen, are we going to do this or not? So I say to the guy, Literally, say to him, Sir, have I done something to upset you? What is going on here? And he does not answer me. So as he's not answering me, I pull out my phone and I take a photograph of his ID badge. Because now I'm, I'm really in this weird position where I am completely led to believe that he is there as a representative by proxy of my insurance company. But he's being such a dick that I want to punch him in the face. I want to gouge his eyes out with the first tool I can find from the contractor's truck. I want to somehow put him on the contractor's table saw and cut this guy in half. But apparently he really, as far as I know, is sanctioned by the insurance company, although they didn't really say for sure that he was scheduled to come out, that this should be the guy. There's no Allstate logo on his ID badge. So I'm just like, okay, man, take your pictures and please make it snappy because, yeah. So I say to the contractor, because the contractor's looking at me like, if you need me to stab this guy, you know, just say the word because I've got I've got a pick in my hand. So the guy goes around, he takes pictures and the contractor and I have to talk about something. So we, we go in the backyard and we talk about one of the windowsills. And then there's the guy. Right. Sticks his head in the gate and he's like, hey. And he's got one of these, those measuring wheel things. You know, those wheel measuring things. Have you ever seen those? It's a wheel. It's for measuring. And so if you have to measure a big plot of property or something, 
you don't get out a tape measure. You have this wheelie thing with a little clicker counter thing on it. Okay. So he's got his wheelie measurement thing. He's like, hey, they also want me to take some measurements of the property. Is that okay with you? So eventually he he doesn't say, of course he doesn't say goodbye or anything. He's the, the least professional person I've ever seen in my life. And he j- just drives away. Okay. And the, the rest of the day, I'm convinced that he was just casing my house. And the reason that I'm convinced that he was casing my house is because that happens around here all the time. This whole part of Los Angeles. People come and they'll, they'll dress as a UPS guy or a meter reader, something like the gas company guy or a survey taker or a guy from your insurance company, right? And they case your house. But I thought, well, he wouldn't. No, because we saw his face and all that. I mean, he was around too much. He saw my contractor, he saw me, he saw my daughter, he saw the contractor's guy. Like, there's no way, but I don't know, man. So that evening, I tell my wife, I'm like, yeah, Melissa, and this guy came and he was so weird. And she's like, you should have just kicked his ass out of here. And I'm like, I know, I know, but I'm just, uh, I don't, it's, I'm always feel like I have to be nice. Always trying to be nice instead of just telling him what what I wanted to tell him, which was get lost. So then she starts in on, well, I don't. Are you sure he was even from the insurance company? I mean, how do you even know? He could have just been casing the joint. He could have been looking in the windows to see where we keep all our stuff. I'm like, I know, I know. So the next day, because I have to, man, I have to. I call the number on the ID badge. Now, my plan at this point was to put it all on the insurance company. I was going to call the insurance company and go, listen, a guy came here claiming to be right here on your behalf. If that man ever comes here again, I am immediately canceling my policies. That's it. We're done. We're done, Zoe. If a, if a representative from that company ever comes here and gives me any kind of attitude whatsoever, you we're done. We're done. Because there's State Farm, there's Geico, there's this, there, there's hundreds, okay? We're done, though. But I called the company to see if that guy even, because what was bugging me is, did that guy even work there? Was that even really a guy? Or was that, Right. So I call. And then the woman that picks up does say the name of the company. And I'm like, okay, listen, I'm going to be chipper and I'm not, I'm not going to really get into it, but I just want to like, Hey, so how's it going? So like, Hey, how's it going? I just, yeah, guy, an inspector was here and, um, you know, just a little paranoid because the neighborhood, we've been getting these weird news stories or whatever. So if I had a guy's badge number, you know, could you tell me? So she says, well, give me the address of the property and I can look it up that way and see if you had a, a scheduled uh, photography session. You know what I mean? So I say, okay, well, I live at, uh, you know, 2479. Okay. She's like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you ask? Oh, well, you know, because, uh, you know, the insurance company, they were acting like they should have let me know, but they didn't really let me know. And I didn't know. Next thing I know, there's some guy here taking photographs, kind of unannounced. It was kind of a weird situation, you know, 
And this woman's being very professional, very nice on the phone, and very accommodating, very patient, listening to my whole story. And saying, well, sure, yeah, in fact, the insurance company really should uh, be warning you that someone's coming out to the property and blah, 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 blah. Well, somehow. And I could have resisted if, if she hadn't just, I'm sure there was just like that one extra question of like, well, why do you say that? And I'm like, look, the guy was weird. Like a weirdo. Well, what do you mean, sir? Because she's, I mean, she's like Texas professional lady. Well, what do you mean, sir? Because all our representatives are trained. And blah, 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 blah. This guy was acting like a psychopath and giving me attitude and acting like I, he was doing me a favor by allowing him to take pictures of my house. He did not introduce himself. He did not show identification. He did not do anything to quell my concern that there was a man I do not know wandering into my backyard when I'm not home, you understand. So I tell her the whole story. And she takes copious notes. And then she takes, you know, my number and everything. And I'm like, oh, great. I wanted to just, I wanted my, right? I wanted, I don't know, man. I think I just wanted the insurance company to handle. Listen, so now suddenly what? So then that evening I get a phone call from a guy who is here in California, but he's up in Northern California, but he's the supervisor for the thing, for the area, for the thing. And he's like, oh, I hear I understand. And he's very professional too, right? I understand that one of our representatives came to your place yesterday uh, at approximately this o'clock, and uh, they had a, uh, you had some concerns about your interaction with that gentleman. I'm like, yes, it was very strange. And he's like, well, can you elaborate? And every after every time I said something, he's like, well, can you elaborate? And I was like, oh, dude. Listen, there is a certain, right? If you're here as a representative of a multi-bajillion dollar insurance agency, Right? You got to smile and shake my hand and and make make me confident that you actually are a representative of that company and not treat me like I am a jerk because I asked you to wait for 10 seconds so I can get a look at you before I let you into my backyard. This is Los Angeles, man. This isn't Mayberry. I don't know where you come from where we're just like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. No, no way. But now I'm like, great, so now what? So now some supervisor from the L.A. office of this such and such company is going to take this man into their office and go, what happened there at Mr. Class's residence? Because he said he had to ask you if you were angry with him. Well, what the hell is going on? And this guy, right? He knows where I live. He knows the exact, he has photographs of my house. It's not like he's going to get lost trying to come back here. Maybe that's why I always try to be a nice guy, because everybody knows where you live. When they're at your doorstep, 
and they're asking you for money to buy magazines, right? Buy a subscription to this magazine you'll never get and all that stuff. Like, you know, they know where you live. How big a jerk can you be? But now we've entered into this whole new thing where they're allowed to be a huge jerk. Because if you call and get them in trouble, they know where you live. They know where you live. All right, that's uh, that's it for the bitters pill for this time. Uh, I gotta get going. My wife uh, has to go, and I'm gonna go back into the house, in the house, in the house. Okay, whatever. Listen, Happy New Year's time. It's nice to talk to you again. Please uh, don't let people photograph your house. Tell your insurance agent to call you. Really, they can't. Like, there's not an automated thing where they can just call your cell phone. Hey, a guy's coming tomorrow, right? The guys that bug spray do that. They call me before they show up. The cable company or the modem people or whatever the phone company, all the, they always they always call it. The doctor's office always calls. You're sending a man every six months to a year for the to photograph the house. You couldn't mention it on the phone. I'm just saying. I got a guitar for Christmas. Next time we will talk about it because I always I apparently have some sort of post uh, purchase dissonance. Do you psych majors know what that is? Of course you do. All right, that's what we'll talk about next time on The Bitter's Pill. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you uh, for being there and listening to my tirades. It's very nice to have you in my life, and I do appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, and I will. I promise. Okay, okay, fine, bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.